Welcome to Let's Talk About Life, a podcast brought to you by LifeBank, the organ, eye, and tissue recovery agency in Northeast Ohio. Donation can be a complicated subject, but it is really all about life. So spend a few minutes as we unravel the complexities of donation. So come on, let's talk about life. On most days, the work of LifeBank requires us to be in the midst of tragedy and trauma because organ donors have suffered a non-survivable brain injury. These unexpected events for families who are usually and understandably unprepared to lose their loved ones. These tragedies are compounded when the loss is due to suicide. In 2022, nearly 50,000 individuals have died from suicide, with 78% of them men. As heartbreaking as that statistic is, many of these individuals can leave a legacy of life for others. It also provides hope and comfort for some donor families. Hi. You're listening to episode 134 of Let's Talk About Life. I'm your host, Colleen Gerber, kidney recipient and LifeBank staff member. All our episodes are special, but for me, this one is probably the most touching. Our guests today are Bill and Colnita Riggins-Walker, whose son Trenton was an organ donor in February of 2022 and has continued to be involved with LifeBank. Bill and Colnita, thank you so much for talking with me and being willing to share Trenton with our listeners. No problem. Absolutely. I would love to start with knowing a little bit more about Trenton. What kind of kid was he? What was he like as an older child? And what his personality was like? <laughs> so Trent was a, and still is, because I, I can't refer to him in the past tense. Uh, Trent is a young man that as a kid, he was very curious. He knew what he wanted and he would act accordingly. He had uh, a zest for life. He loved birds. He loves the outdoors. He loved playing football. That was his passion. And he was quite good at it. He played from the time he was nine years old. And I was blessed enough to be able to coach him up until uh, the middle of high school. And uh, he also ran track. Uh, he dabbled a little bit in playing the guitar. He enjoyed music like all young men, young kids, young people. He enjoyed playing Madden and video games. And that, I think, uh, about covers it. Unless I missed anything, Colina. Trent is brilliant. He was always very curious. He was also very quirky and kind of goofy in his own way. He really did march to the beat of his own drum. He really did. I think as his mother, what I realized was that Trent was also always different. 
he was just so unique and and just very unusual, very peculiar, very interesting, right? And he was very intelligent, very intelligent. Very. He was very much loved, and he was very loving as well. And he loved the Lord. Yes. He was just a wonderful son to have, yes. Also, I remember a gentleman that, that got to know Trent. They used to play football, too. And he he told me, because he really took Trent's passing hard, and he told me that, and I never even really kind of looked at it this way, but he told me that Trent had a body like Adonis, and he seemed like he was indestructible. Oh, wow. And when I, when I kind of go back throughout his life, the things that he would do, even as a, a little kid, you know, trying to swat a fly and hitting the glass so hard that his hand goes through the glass and be unfazed, you know, even though he had to get stitches and everything. He really did have very little, if any, fear. Sounds like a wonderful human being. I have seen a couple of photos of Trent, and he was beautiful. He's beautiful. I'm sitting here looking at his picture, and we have a little shrine area for him. And so, yeah, he he is, you know, to to lose as a a child to a suicide, that is very unexpected. To lose your child in any way is very unexpected, but particularly to suicide is devastating to say the least and and to lose a child in any capacity my heart goes out to so many people who have who have lost children you know that's absolutely just not the order of things right right you're it's absolutely right order. yeah <laughs> and i'm glad you are able to speak about it and i know it's it's so difficult but what were the circumstances surrounding trenton's death was there anything that set him off, or was this a total shock to you? Trent struggled with uh, some mental challenges, and I think in today's environment especially, it's, it's very prevalent. One of the things that I've, I've communicated very, very strongly is that uh, Trent was on medication, I believe, though, that a huge catalyst for his mental challenges was the pandemic in and of itself and the isolation that it brought about. All right. When we think about when everything first happened with the pandemic, everybody was terrified. Right. Right. And everybody, you know, sheltered in place and masked with everything and. I recall us even cleaning off groceries, right? Oh, yeah. That that were being delivered. And Trent is a very gregarious person, and that affected him. The idea of not being able to do things, not being able to get outside. He also responded very positively to sunlight and vitamin D. The circumstances surrounding his passing to another, another realm is that... Trent had been awarded a a full football scholarship at Notre Dame 
college here in Cleveland. And, and this was probably about a year and a half, two years into the pandemic. And he had gone to a couple of games and met the coaching staff and everything. And he went to the orientation for school and his sister went with him for support. And then he had school like the following week, I think it was. It was January of 2022. It started in early, right after the new year. Right. So I was working from home and he went to school and he came back at lunchtime. He was upset and he had tears in his eyes. And he told me at that point that he couldn't go back. And he told me that he was really struggling with the amount of people that were out. You know, he wasn't comfortable in a, in a pandemic environment being around all these people. It just, it triggered him, right? Yeah. And I, I ministered to him. I told him it would be okay and that we would work through something. He could take the classes from home if he wanted to. But in his, in his heart, he wanted to play football. I believe in my heart of hearts that that was the tipping point for Trent. Okay. Within a week, he had uh, had taken his own life. He had shot himself. After all the investigation and everything occurred, he had left us a what amounted to a, a beautiful love letter. Um, because obviously, anytime there's a suicide in the back of your mind, it's just like, oh my gosh, this has the potential to really go sideways with what somebody would write in a suicide note. And that was not not the case. And so what Trent did was he literally left a love letter in his journal and let each person know how much the decision was his own and how much he loved each and every one of us and what we meant to him. And that in itself is very rare. And so When you look back in hindsight, you know, I believe that God secretly prepares you for certain things if you're paying attention. You know, I remember one day right before Christmas of 21, which was the last Christmas we had with Trent, I remember looking at him one day in the kitchen and I literally burst into tears because I could see how peaceful and how loving he was because he had struggled with the schizophrenia. But I could see on him that he was truly happy and truly at peace. So his taking his own life was definitely such a shell shock. Mm. You know, we had gone through other tumultuous times with dealing with um, the episodes of his mental illness. And this was not one of those times. It was not. And so that's what made it even more devastating and more unexpected. So I can say this about Trent. And even as his organs give life to other people, that my son, our son, is the epitome of volunteerism. Of volunteerism. Yes, that's, that's truly how the mom how I'm able to recognize that only God can take something so tragic and turn it into something miraculous and beautiful. And life-giving. Well, Colnita and Bill, I'm glad that you brought that up. So obviously Trent was taken to a hospital 
and went through that whole process of trying to save his life. When did you first encounter LifeBank and what was that experience like for you as parents? So I was at the hospital. My wife was on her way back. She was in Arizona and I can't remember the name of the uh, the young lady. Her name Anna. is Brittany. Brittany. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I remember this vividly, even though there's a lot of things that are kind of foggy, but obviously I'm in shock. My youngest daughter who was there, she was in shock. My other son, Jeremy, he was in shock. And we're all at the hospital and they bring us into the room and the doctor is speaking to me. First of all, I couldn't believe he was still alive because I had given him CPR for probably 20 minutes before the the paramedics showed up. And when they pulled me off of him, I just figured he was on. I started making calls. Um, And then probably about 30 minutes later, one of the detectives comes down and speaks to myself and two of our children that were there. And said that he's alive and he was at university hospital and i just i was shocked and i remember that the officer driving me there kept telling me that are you giving him cpr that's what kept him alive and we get to the hospital and uh We sit around for probably about a half an hour and then the the surgeon and the hospital staff comes to me and they speak to the three of us and lets us know that there's nothing that they can do, that there's too much damage and uh, that uh, the trend is gone from, from this life. And uh, the machines were were keeping him preserved. And I remember speaking to Brittany, and I told her then that I was all for it. And the reason that I was all for it, me and my wife always knew that our son had a much, much greater calling and that he was a hero. I was okay with doing it. And you need to understand that my children weren't necessarily in agreement. And that was a lot of the shock and everything. And I said that I would donate his organs under one stipulation, and that was that they needed to keep him alive until my wife came into town. And at that moment, it was very, it was surreal. And the reason it was surreal is his siblings are in my ear saying, you know, daddy's had enough, let him go, don't do this. And what kept resonating with me was that my wife and his mother has the right to see her son before he's, he's gone. And that my children are not parents. So they don't, they don't understand this. They also weren't in a position then to understand how powerful him giving life to other people would be. I I get that. I I understand that. And and it was done. So uh, Colnita came in about six hours later. 
She got into town, as did some of our other relatives, and came straight to the hospital. I want to say with what Bill has stated is that, you know, after, because it was the next day when we went back to the hospital and I had the opportunity to meet Brittany in person. And I also met the attending physician that night. And the young lady with Life Bank, I don't know Brittany's last name, but she was absolutely wonderful. And she explained the process very thoroughly of what the next steps were going to be because after they didn't pronounce Trent um, deceased until the next day at 1252. Mm -hmm. So that's when Brittany came and explained that later that evening they were going to prep his body, that he was going to go into surgery to harvest the organs, that they... One of the uh, donors was actually a direct donor that um, was found at our cousin's church. So his kidney went to a local gentleman here who's thriving and doing well. Um, Oh, wow. So he he gave Mm -hmm. a, a direct donation to somebody that you know. Well, actually, we didn't know them. The, they, he was a member of our cousin's church, oh, so okay. they knew him, and they knew that he was in need of a kidney. And the, and the testimony of this gentleman said that he was literally the last member of his family. He had lost his parents. He had lost his siblings, everyone, to kidney failure, and that he was the last one, and what a miracle for him. Miracle. And, you know, as as we went through this process, you know, The young lady got his other kidney in a pancreas, and then someone, a a nine-year-old boy, received his heart, which we later discovered about a year later, who was cleared to play football, of all things. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so it's just such a love story. It's a love story, and this is is what gives me hope, and this is what I want to say to people who have gone through this devastation have experienced such a great loss, but the reward of being able to give life to other people is is such a huge gift. Even as they took Trent into surgery later that evening around eight o'clock, they called me and let me know. And I said to Bill, I said, imagine what's happening. I said, as we are challenged and and we're, our son is giving life to other people, people are rejoicing because they have received a phone call. I can just, uh, the love in my heart from that is just like, people got a phone call that Aww. said, I got a match, right? Right. And that is the thing that I want people to understand. That this is such a beautiful story and how we're all connected and how it goes on, right? Mm -hmm. That there is truly a circle of life and we play a part in that and Trent played a huge part in that for so many people, not just like the five direct donors, I believe it was five, but then with tissue and I the cornea with, you know, bone, with skin, all these things that we were told. We got one letter from a gentleman that said he had gotten, I guess, tissue for his elbow. And he said that he was not having any pain, that he was so thankful. 
And so we don't know the number of lives that are going to be impacted, but we know that it's many and we know that our son was always full of greatness. So go Trent. Wow. (laughs) Colnita, that is beautiful. That is just a beautiful way to think of donation. Wow. We're going to end this episode right here, but we continue our conversation with Bill and Colnita. They will share with us how they are honoring Trenton's legacy and helping other kids in a similar position on the next episode of Let's Talk About Life. We hope you found today's episode informative and inspirational. You know, you can save lives simply by going to lifebanc.org and registering your donation decision. You can catch Let's Talk About Life on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, but you can always find it at lifebank.org. We thank you for listening and we hope you come back next time. And come on, let's talk about life. Thank you for listening to Let's Talk About Life. If you have questions about today's podcast, reach out to us at info at lifebank.org. Take a few minutes to do something heroic and register to be an organ donor by saying yes at lifebank.org. Literally, someone's life is dependent on it.